0: At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another
1: round of Snarky Faith. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney, and Snarky Faith is radio for the spiritually disenfranchised. If you've had enough of the insanity in Christianity, you've come to the right place. Here at Snarky Faith, we're all about finding a sane faith grounded in reality and working to make the world a better place in tangible ways. This is not a zone for spiritual escapism, Sunday school answers, or Christianese. We're here to call out religious BS and look for better ways forward. If you can handle your conversations about faith with copious amounts of
0: sarcasm
1: and also a bit of this, then you've come to the right place. Welcome home! On today's show, I am going to be sitting down with recording artist Semler, also known as Grace Baldridge. Semler recently hit number one on the iTunes charts for Christianity with her album, Preacher's Kit, And this is not the typical album that you'd see <laughs> talked about atop the Christian music charts. And you're going to see why today as we talk with Semler more about her art her journey, her advocacy, and everything surrounding this new album. It's a great talk. Now, before we descend into the snark, a few quick bits of housekeeping. This broadcast and all past podcasts can be found at www.snarkyfaith.com and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, YouTube. We're there. We're everywhere. Just look for Snarky Faith. And if you like the show, make sure to share, subscribe. And if you're feeling particularly generous, drop a review over on Apple Podcasts too. It helps get the word out to new listeners, and I appreciate it. You want to interact more with me or the show? You can find Snarky Faith over on Facebook. We've got a page there. Look up Snarky Faith. You can also drop me a line of questions at snarkyfaith.com. And if you leave a message, you'll probably end up on the air. The number is 919-525-1570. That's 919-525-1570. I hope everyone is doing fantastic on this first week of March in 2021. Keep making our way through. Light at the end of the tunnel, people. Get vaccinated and all that fun stuff. Because <laughs> I'm tired of this pandemic. I don't know about you. But you know what's happened this week. Yes, we are got much closer to spring. But you know, last weekend it was CPAC. Kind of like Mardi Gras for conservatives and the fact that there's a ton of boobs, but showing off your Ted Cruz's and Ron DeSantis's doesn't get you any beads. But I will tell you, CPAC launched the long-awaited, triumphant return into Jerusalem, a.k.a. Orlando, Of our orange messiah. That's right, Trump was back on stage, and it was a great reminder of how happy I've actually been over the past couple months to really just not listen to any of his crazy ramblings, not even hear his voice, or kind of see his own weird sweaty demeanor. It's been fantastic. Oh, CPAC, thank you for that gift of reminding us that if I never see Trump again or even hear from him, I'll be that much better off. Wow, a gift in disguise. And CPAC also reminded me of how absolutely horny for Trump conservatives are. I mean, those, this, this was just an ongoing circle. Oh, wait, no, the stage wasn't in the shape of a circle. It was really in the shape of an, of a Nazi rune, which was actually a shape that the Nazis took from the Nordics and changed it around a little bit. But hey, that shape, that rune, was worn by the SS. Look it up! And it looks just like their stage. I mean, I'm Nazi saying it's not, but I'm Nazi saying it is! <laughs> Ohio! And we're already off to, to an irreverent start and running here. But hey, I can't let the folks at CPAC have all the fun for sucking up to Trump because I've got a bunch of Christians that'll do that on a weekly basis in our segment called the Christian Crazy.
0: If loving the Lord is wrong, I don't want to be right. Lord have mercy, the Lord is my shepherd; He knows what I want.
1: That's right we're in the christian crazy of the week the choicest cuts of christian nuts the worst of christianity <laughs> you think they're out there we've got them here right for you to sit here and laugh have merriment mockery whatever that's what we do because none of this has anything to do with jesus that being said let's get to the mockery well first up we've got prophet jeff jansen talking with sentient, hard-boiled egg, Steve Schultz. Now, Jeff is here to tell us, even though we may be heartbroken over the election that was stolen from Trump, don't you worry, because the U.S. is actually still under martial law, and Trump is going to be reinstated. Don't you worry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they're nuts. So just because January 20th came and and went, and uh, President Trump uh, we all know that, uh, you know, the election was fraud. Everybody, heaven knows. You can't, you can't substantiate something in the natural uh, that's, that's fraudulent like this. It's not validated or recognized in the spirit world. And I said this this morning on Charlie Ward's show. Uh, but anyway, you can't substantiate something uh, um, in the natural that's not validated in the spirit realm. And uh, so that was this whole election uh, is is still going. And as a matter of fact, it's not going, Uh, it's just being uh, looked at. And uh, it's being looked at right now, I'm not afraid to say it, we're under military tribunal. The, 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 The military is in charge of our nation right now. And there's some people that might not like that, well, you know, you'll see. It's okay. These
1: prophets are slippery little suckers, is what I've noticed here. After all of them have gotten stuff wrong, I like how they're kind of backtracking and going through some sort of, like, obscure and archaic references in the profiting handbook, that is, which does not really exist out there in any capacity, folks. I'm just making that part up. No, but I love how... <laughs> well, it hasn't been substantiated in heaven, so it can't be substantiated here. They're just making this crap up as they go. That's how it works. Yeah, grifter's going to grip, liar's going to lie, profits going to make profits by just telling you whatever the hell they're going to do just to keep making money. That's what these dudes do. Don't believe me? Oh, then you're going to like this load of BS from Pastor Shane Vaughn. Because Pastor Shane's here to tell you, don't be afraid, we're going to have Trump for 12 years. No, we're not and he's an idiot.
2: We must sit back and trust that God's plan was better than our plan from the beginning. See, the prophet of God, Mr. Kim Clement, said that they would cry impeach twice and that both times it would come to nothing. That's exactly what happened. That same minister said that the president would serve two terms. He never said consecutive. That was read into his prophecy, but he didn't say it. He said two terms. So it's quite possible now that Mr. Trump will serve 12 years as the leader of this nation, because even though he's not in the White House, he's in their head in the White House, night and day.
1: See what he did there He's living rent free And no one's brain right now That's not how it works, Steve And I also love the way that Steve likes to lay this out I've heard this used for spiritual abuse So many times over the years Oh, it wasn't our plan We've gotta wait back and trust in God's plan Cause God's plan is always perfect It's always on time And it's always exactly what we want it to be That's not how any of this works Know it w- Mm-hmm There's no such things as prophecies in hindsight. (laughs) That's just called life. That's just called history. It doesn't make you a prophet. Now, we all know that the religious right is terrified of socialism and communism. They're going to get you. They're going to come and get you. But the biggest problem with it is I've kind of come to understand that they don't know what that means. They don't know what it means at all. It's just kind of a boogeyman word that they like to use. Because listen here, true news, true news anchor Rick Wiles is fed up and he's going to run in 2024. He's tired of all this and he has an idea. He has an idea on what he's going to do to those stupid billionaires that don't tell him sounds a lot like socialism and communism. Wait, it actually sounds just like it. But don't tell him. This is too much fun. It's almost like Rick is mansplaining to himself.
2: (laughs) Let me let you hear it. Rick! If somebody in America put together a political movement to do two main things. Break up the power of the tech companies. I mean, bust them up. Don't just slap their fingers, bust them up, break them up. Like in the monopolies of the early 1900s. Uh, yes, years. I mean crush yes. the tech companies, break them up, and to outlaw being billionaires. We've reached a point, I, I mean, I'm a free enterprise person, and, and I, I, I have no, um, no ill will towards anybody in their financial success. I, hey, you want to be a zillionaire? Quazillionaire, I don't care, all right? You want to go buy a planet? Go buy a planet, I don't care. But when you use your money and power to change my life, Mm. to take away my rights, to try to force things on me that I object to, that I find morally repulsive, when you try to restrict my free speech, when you try to promote population control, you want to pump vaccines into my body when you want to change society you know what you're my enemy Mm. you're my enemy and the only way you're able to do it is because you're a billionaire so then we need to take away your billions bill gates if he was working a job seven to five if he was going to work like everybody else bill gates wouldn't be doing this stuff would he no he's only doing this stuff because he's a billionaire take his billions away Take it away. We need to do it in this country. There needs to be a populist movement in this country. Let's break up the tech companies. Let's take the billions. Give the bill- give their- I want to take Bill Gates' billions and give it to the poor. So,
1: okay, he wants to take the money from the billionaires because the billionaires should be doing what billionaires do and buy planets. Because, hey, I don't think Rick knows what people do that have that much money. I don't. I at least know planets are not involved. Now, he wants to take all of the billionaire's money and redistribute it? So this populist movement that you speak of would lead to the overthrow of capitalism? Hmm. So this really kind of seems like an idea that, hmm, that we have class war, which leads to a society where all the property is publicly owned and each person works and is paid according to his abilities what are you Karl Marx my friend what are you getting out here oh no even Rick while some true news has been morally corrupted (laughs) we're all gonna die no we're not no we're not All right, enough of this craziness, enough of it. I've had enough of it. If you want more of it, you gotta wait till the end of the show. I'll throw something about an anti-vaxxer at the end if you really want to hop in on more of this crazy. But we've got good news to get to. We've got good stuff to talk about. We've got better things on the horizon. Let's get away from all of these frivolities and cancers of Christianity. Oh no, let's look for things that are hopeful, that are new, that are exciting. Oh yeah, like similar and her new album, Preacher's Kid? Oh, that's, that's such a good transition. And that's where we're going right now. So chatting with me today is Grace Baldridge, also known as Similar, a musician, media host. And uh, you may have seen her over on Refinery29's docu-series, State of Grace, chronicling the journey of being LGBTQ and a Christian. Her recent newest EP, Preacher's Kid, hit number one on iTunes. Um, so welcome, Grace. It's great to have you. Thank you so much
3: for having me. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. What what I
1: what I love what I love about your new album, and uh, if you'll let me do that a little bit, um, here (laughs) gush slightly, and I I feel like I've been doing this on our on our show for a long time, been arguing about that Christianity and art need to be honest, and that's why a long time we just like to make fun of a lot of Christian art on on the show, anyways, because it's not honest and it's not good, and And I've been arguing for this a long time. Like movies, if there's a Christian movie, it should be rated R. Like to be honest and real, not that it has to be, but. Mm -hmm.
3: um, But why couldn't there be like a rated R Christian movie? Yes.
1: yes, Something that would just be honest and real with what's going on here. And I've argued for this. And then all of a sudden Preacher's Kid comes out and does just that. Um, So one, I will tell you, I have not enjoyed Christian music, let alone kind of worship music in a long time. And two, I really just loved your honesty. I just love the rawness oh, thank you. of you speaking um, out into this too. So, um, let's talk about the road to making Preachers Kid. Um, so was this was this EP like a COVID baby, or what? Like what? <laughs> what? Like what led you uh, to write this album? For God's sakes,
3: is that is that the term it reason using? COVID baby, because if it if that is true, then it definitely did originate in quarantine, and it has been released in quarantine so I it might meet those qualifications okay. yeah
1: okay yes so yeah so what so, so what what is the road to this how did how you how did you get to this place
3: So, I was doing uh, my doc series, State of Grace, and the very last episode that we filmed before uh, quarantine started was about the Christian music industry. And we traveled to Nashville and we did a number of interviews, sort of uh, looking at the gatekeepers of this industry. Our, Our general thesis was like, anytime there's an exchange of money, compromises are being made. So, what are those compromises when there's an entire industry that purportedly serves God? Who's being left out? Who is not included at God's? table of music and so we did that episode and i was just really baffled by some of the voices of people who were so talented who had such a heart for faith um that just were not allowed to express this or people who were allowed to express it but then as soon as they sort of uh expressed a view outside of this very rigid, um, puritanical Christian doctrine. They were just shown the door and it just really stuck with me. And then now we're trapped inside with our thoughts (laughs) and I started pouring over Christian music that I totally just grew up with just all for nostalgia and comfort, but also because I was really wrestling through this episode that we just wrapped. And I started writing music to this and, and throwing some of it up, like youth group, the, the track on the EP started as a joke on TikTok. I just wanted to kind of, put that out there. I thought it was kind of funny. And, and I was having these meditations on my life growing up in faith and then being cast out by that same faith. And it ended up becoming preacher's kid. And I didn't think that it could be a Christian record for obvious reasons. One, because there is there is some explicit content explored in the record. And then also because I'm gay and I didn't think that that would be allowed. And then my wife was actually the one who was like, but why why are you limiting yourself? You know, if you feel like this is a Christian record, which this is a Christian record, you should be able to categorize it as such. And it is the most honest way of, um, putting a category to my music right now that all I'm writing about, and I've been continuing to write since Preacher's Kid has come out is just about these expressions of faith and doubt and wrestling with all of it. Mm. And that's kind of how it started. It definitely it started in quarantine. And unfortunately, here we still are. It's, it, it was released in quarantine, too.
1: Now, now how's now how's the whole process of it releasing and moving up the charts? Has this surprised you?
3: Yes. Um, yeah, no. Um, yes, but yes, absolutely. It's like, it's still so strange. I thought that it would be cool if maybe we could crack top 40. That was my goal. Like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to just be in like Christian music, top 40. And then when the, it was Thursday. So the EP officially released on Friday, but Thursday night, you know, some of the pre-saves started to go through and we just kept refreshing our phones. My wife and I and just seeing the 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 record just keep charting. And then it cracked like top 20. And then we sat at like number two or number three for a while. And then I made another TikTok video just saying like, I mean, at this point, we're so close to being number one. Like, would you be interested in helping us go over the edge? I'm an independent artist. I have no team. So I've really had to sort of outsource what we're doing to people who might resonate with this type of project, you know, whether that means that they're Christians or not. And we, I made a TikTok and it was successful. And we sat at number one for, I think, like four, four days, Mm -hmm. which is, um, I, yeah, it surpassed all of my expectations.
1: That is fantastic. And now, now for all of this to happen, was there a lot of groundwork that you did before releasing it? Like what was, was there a lot of buy-in and working that you were doing behind the scenes?
3: Yeah, I think, and that's very common for any independent artist. You just, you occupy every space in your team. So I was mixing and mastering. I had my own deadlines for when I needed to be done recording it. And then I had to start thinking about how I'm going to be promoting the project. Who's going to take the cover art? It was taken by my wife in our front yard with like, actually, I can show you um, with like pantyhose over the camera lens to make it look more dreamy. And, um, just it's a whole DIY production and it, you have to really hold yourself accountable to those deadlines to make sure that you can have as successful a release as possible. And even with that, I wish that I could have gotten the music video off the ground. It's something I'm working for, but it's, it was a very much, um, a a solo effort with good friends along the way that were able to help, um, put things on. Like my friend who used to work at a mega church, uh, put on a release show for me in our living room. And he knows like lights, like he, I mean, you work at a mega church, you know, like lighting and smoke machines and all that (laughs) stuff. And so he came through COVID precautions and everything and set up I'm I kid you not we had to take the smoke detectors out of our house to put on this amazing show for my little tiny release. So definitely uh, we all came together in the best way that we could but this has been a lot for me. <laughs> it's been a lot of work.
1: It has been but it but it's been a huge payoff for this. Now now a lot I know you're talking about like some of the the idea behind doing some of this was really trying to take on the contemporary Christian music money machine a little bit uh, of being able to Mm -hmm. change the, at least change some of the ideas um, about the way they kind of run this, not not necessarily with an iron fist, but they definitely have a cookie cutter uh, process for what they crank out um, for the types of projects that they put their money behind. And, and I think the fantastic thing about this is one way to get people to take notice is by sales. Um, cause mm-hmm. that again, that is going to be, that's going to speak to people as well, more and more, as long as their sales, as long as that green, cause the sad thing is CCM, they care more about green than they care about Jesus. I'll probably say, um, at yeah. the end of the day. And, and, and I <laughs> love how this is taking off and, and grabbing people's notice. But what would you say to someone like maybe in the industry that they probably yeah. said this that like, it's a gimmick, you know, that would try to like play this off as some sort of a gimmick um, a for sure, or that thing. like yeah. I'm,
3: that I'm trolling. I've heard yeah, 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 that too. Yeah. That how, that how, how
1: would you respond to that too? Cause I don't I
3: think, think this that, is, <laughs> no, it's not. I think that it's, that's probably an easy way to deflect away or to undermine, um, my experience. And that's nothing new for me. And I'm, that's nothing new for anybody who has had a difficult experience with Christians, um, and belonging to Christianity. So that's that's what I think. I think that if you are if you are looking at what I'm doing and you are um, just deciding that I'm not taking it seriously, that's just sort of a judgment that's your business. It's not mine. What I would say to a Christian music executive is that point blank to my face, I was told that there was no space for stories like mine, that there would be no interest for stories like mine, that nobody cared. And I think for many of us, you're sort of led to believe that you're alone, that you were the one that couldn't hang. You're isolated, and through I think social media we've been able to find each other more and more. And now we're reaching this sort of moment of like, you know what, there's actually many of us. And not only are people having these shared experiences, but people are interested to listen to these experiences, whether it's through music, I'm really loving like other podcast spaces that are allowing people the catharsis of listening like you were not alone, you're not crazy. And that's what I would say is that like if money is how you understand um people, which is a sad way to understand people, then you simply can no longer deny if you're a Christian music executive that people don't care about the types of stories that we're telling and that there's no place for an affirming theology in christian music because clearly there is mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. you're absolutely right with that and and this whole album i mean we've kind of danced around this it's it's all about your faith it's all about what you've wrestled through so let's kind of hop into your faith the whole thing's called preachers uh preacher's kid so yes i'm assuming you're a preacher's kid so I us, am, yeah. yeah, I so, am. So yeah, so what Let's was it like growing up? <laughs> well, you know, yeah, what it, no, I, as a PK, what did it? Like, what was it like growing up?
3: Yeah, so I grew up in the rectory. My dad is an Episcopal priest, um, going to church like multiple times a week, doing all the youth events, church functions. Like there, there I was, and I think that that that's a really difficult childhood because it's this strange. Form of public life for a kid to understand. And then also knowing that, like, your dad is a quote unquote, like, healer of a community. But you also understand when you're growing up that your parents, spoiler alert, they're not perfect. (laughs) Like, even though they do their very best, and I'm blessed with incredibly sweet parents who ultimately were very accepting and loving of me when I came out. But even that didn't sort of spare me from wider church culture that my parents were unaware of because I always say like you just don't know what you don't know and they didn't know that they were raising a gay kid and so you don't know what micro things I'm internalizing when I'm as young as like five to eight. I think there's this weird misconception that like a gay person only comes out when they're out of the house and they've been like indoctrinated by desires or whatever but you feel different and you sort of move socially like well before any sort of sexual desire was present in me you know i've always i always remember feeling a little bit different and i wasn't protected from feeling like that difference in me wasn't a blessing as i have come to learn it is now was actually something to be ashamed of and secretive about so growing up a preacher's kid it is is complicated there's probably i think there's a reason why i have as many tattoos as i have <laughs> um I, I love i've always like was very rebellious in in like a god honoring way, if you will, I wasn't. I didn't like put my parents through too much, but like the example was, my mom said, "No posters on the on your walls. You can't put any posters on your walls." And so I put a giant POD poster on my ceiling, and my mom <laughs> it was like, "It's not a wall." And um, so it's a it's a fun it's a fun childhood, but it is complicated, and I uh, I'm still working through it, as evidenced on this project. Mm-hmm. Well, but
1: one one of the things I've also appreciated was was the work you did with State of Grace, um, which I will say for those out there that haven't watched it, it's available on YouTube over on Refinery Twenty Nine. It's worth a watch. It is it is worth your time. Um, Thank you. But w- watching through that, like I see, I, I see this desire in you to kind of change, to to change Christianity in a way that that other people tend to eventually just get disgusted and walk away. Like something mm-hmm. has kept you engaged. Something has kept you there, fighting for this. Like wanting to know, like where is my place? Like how does this fit? Yeah. And and because a lot of other folks will walk away, and that's easiest. it's easier to do. That it'd be easier just to say mm-hmm. screw off. This is not and worth it. And it could
3: be healthier for them too. <laughs> and, oh, oh, yes. oh yes, healthier. yes, yeah. yes,
1: um, And yes, and I've done that from time to time as well too. <laughs> just been said, I'm done. Um, yeah. Uh, but but but. For a back of letter for a lack of a better word for you, like what keeps you fighting and engaging and what keeps you putting up with a Christianity yeah. that doesn't always want to treat you like you have a place at the table?
3: I think that's gotta be the ultimate question. And I'll just sort of leave it to divine mystery. I think mm-hmm. that something very profound happened in my life when I every every layer of myself I've peeled back over the years, whether it was coming out, whether it started dressing as myself every layer I've uh, deeper into my own heart I've gone, I have been more filled with the spirit than I've ever was when I was presenting as a quote-unquote, you know, straight Christian girl. And that is just purely this divine cosmic mystery that I think is a blessing in my life. And I won't say that it's prescriptive for all people. I'm just saying that for me, like my my curiosity towards just opening my Bible and understanding our creator was only accessible to me as I've explored and understood my queerness, which I know is like a very strange thing for some sort of conservative Christians or, um, or otherwise to understand, but that, I think it's just this, this, this mystery. It doesn't mean I don't have hard days. I certainly do, but I just keep coming back to the comfort of the faith that raised me and the God that never abandoned me, even when I was just fucking miserable, it was in those moments that I actually felt the most sort of divine compassion. Well,
1: what like for you, 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 it seems like, cause you're continuing, you're always, I feel like you're growing and, and, and on this journey and asking questions, but what, what right now is giving you hope? What, what is fueling you and giving you hope right now?
3: I think it's, I think it's hearing from people through social media right now, who are finding each other and connecting with each other, sharing stories, offering encouragement. um, I think that is giving me a lot of hope that for so long, it just felt like we're these islands that, you know, was anyone looking out for us? How would we find community? Community, uh, you know, Reverend Jackie Lewis said in one of our interviews for State of Grace, we only know God because we know each other. And that to me is sort of speaking to finding the image bearer in every person as, as we're called to do every day. And it's really, really difficult to do, um, but I see people online just like looking out for each other and that inspires me so much, whether it's like it, whether that's like in Christianity or outside of it, but seeing people who have been hurt by Christians showing up in droves for each other, whether it be through a song that I put out or a piece of art that they created like that is Christ-like. And that is something that I I never saw in my early like internet days, like Googling, I'm gay. Like, is that okay with God type things? And I think that that's what gives me hope and encouragement is that we're stepping into our power and that this is just the beginning.
1: Mm, I love that. I like the way you put that. That is, That gives me hope as well, too, because oftentimes <laughs> one one times I, I think I feel like I try to I try to like hop on board to other people's hope uh, at times as well, too. You know, because there's like it's it's pandemic. Yeah, the world's crazy. And at times yeah. I'm like, OK, I don't have any right now. Yours, I like it. I like it. So, yeah, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, now I had I did some I did a little bit of uh, sourcing out to the fanboys and fangirls on uh, some of them online. And so I have a couple questions. If you're cool with answering them for us. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. So one of them came from, um, well, it says, as a queer Christian, have you ever felt fully accepted by either or both communities?
3: That is a great question. I feel very accepted at the church that I go to when we could go to church. I think I have experienced, and and there have been other um, faith communities that i have gone to that are affirming. And I think it's really in affirming faith spaces that I feel at peace with that intersection. I know exactly what they're talking about. It can be uncomfortable, to put it mildly. And I have experienced the the combination of both, the fusing of both. Um, And I also think that something I'm reminded of is that there's no division in me. You know, I'm not a gay person. Um, and then I'm, and then like the, my Christian part is over here. Like it's all, I'm a united whole person in Christ who is queer. So I think that, uh, as I sort of have come to walk in this body that I've been blessed with, um, it's been easier to find that peace. But I understand that is a, that is a tricky question. And there are some spaces where you you will feel fragmented. But I feel the most at peace when I can be my whole self.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, someone else had asked this. What what makes you hold on to your Christian faith in your darkest hours of oppression? Ooh. They'll get easier. The hard ones are first, don't worry.
3: Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I think that's that's tricky. I'm not even I'm I'm I I sort of wonder if I can give a a thoughtful answer on that because honestly, like there's there's a specifically low moment in my life that I that I think back on. And it was a very strange sort of of out-of-body experience where like everything was just crumbling around me. I was just absolutely at one of my lowest points. And I still sort of found in like the the depths of me, this this piece, this strange knowledge that didn't even make sense that that I was going to be okay and that God had me mm. and that this wasn't how it was going to end. And I, I I almost hate giving that as an answer because it means like just he'll he'll find you, you know. Like it's not very helpful. Um, but I, I think for me, it's just that I haven't been abandoned yet and there have been plentiful opportunities for that and um, so that is something that i i hold on to i wish i could give a better answer there's probably there's probably a theologian or a minister that's nailed that one i'm just a songwriter i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah but i think so. I mean, but i think there's there's a really human uh, way to that answer too i think i mean thinking about times where I, i've been in very low places before too it mm. I, mean, I think almost the answer is that that we're here now.
3: <laughs> you yeah, know, the, the fact
1: yeah. that you know that like that's almost an answer within itself is that well, I, I was there and I am here, so I kept going. And
3: yeah, and, yeah, and I think that, and I think that like having pr- like the proof that you made it through. Mm-hmm. Now, when I have those moments to this day, I, I hold on to that proof that like not only like I I wasn't abandoned then, and I will not be abandoned now, and you will like. Show up for yourself, and God's hand is is over you, and you are blessed. So I, but but I know that in the moment when you're feeling low, I would honestly tell myself like, go to hell. Like <laughs> this is hard.
1: <laughs> well, another one we have here. Whew, that was good. Um, the, the, uh, this comes from this comes from I know who actually sent this to me. Um, this comes from a person that is actually a is a worship leader. Um, that. He is affirming. I don't know that his job or his church is affirming, um, but he's asking this question saying, what can authentically be done to repair some of the damage done by the church?
3: Is this specifically, do you think to like LGBT people?
1: I'm assuming, I think that's where he's coming. Okay. From. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, I, I think because there's <laughs> so much <laughs> harm. True. Pick, pick yeah. your harm. Um, I, I think that the piece of advice that I would offer is an invitation which is that so many of us the all the sermons that we hear growing up are from a non-affirming perspective and it's like a it's they have a monopoly on any sermon or preaching about sexuality is mm-hmm. unaffirming and then you come out and then you discover all the you know the affirming biblical queer scholarship that counters that And you you really do your homework. I I say that basically any queer person that's ever had to come out, you kind of like get a low-key degree in theology because you're pouring over the clobber verses, you're Mm -hmm. pouring over all the translations, all the interpretations. And straight people don't do this. They don't do that same sort of due diligence and homework. And yet there is still this sense of ease and sometimes comfort in just Casting those judgments and condemnations onto LGBTQ plus people who have wrestled with this text. So, my advice if you're looking to extend and lessen the harm to LGBTQ plus people is to put in that same homework that they have done to scripture. Mm-hmm. Listen to affirming sermons for, I'm serious, for months, because that's what we did on the other side of things. Listen, we listened to all your unaffirming theology. For months, maybe even years. So the bare minimum you could do is take a month to study and wrestle with affirming theology. And then, you know, we'll talk from there, but give yourself that same sort of, um, like entrench yourself in a theology that you disagree with in the same way that we had to, um, and then let's have a conversation because I think that that's, what's frustrating is that oftentimes unaffirming spaces assume that we're coming from a place of ignorance rather than a difference of interpretation. And so they'll be like, well, what about this verse? And I'm like, we're not, we're not even talking the same thing right now. I, I know what verse you're throwing at me. Let's go back to this different passage. And I, I would really like for more communities of faith to view the visibility of Christians like myself as an invitation to learn more about where we're coming from rather than just very quickly cast us out. Mm-hmm.
1: That was good now uh this one um uh, let me, well the the question was where do you see the christian music, uh Christian music and worship uh genre heading in the next ten to fifteen years um uh, actually I, I would probably reframe that um where uh, do you see the genre changing on the horizon? How about that one
3: I Maybe- think yes, I think that there are gonna be more people coming forward sharing their testimonies of faith through music, and I am really excited to hear other people wrestling with complicated themes of faith Mm -hmm. and challenging the genre and challenging the gatekeepers of the genre. Now, I don't know specifically what that looks like, because I don't think that there's going to be like a progressive label cropping up anytime soon. And I don't even know if that's necessarily the best counterpoint. But I'm just hoping that more artists, even if they're on Like, if they're not on a Christian label and maybe they went through church camp or something and they want to wrestle with these themes, like, that feel comfortable to list it as a Christian record because your fans outside of the Christian music industry will listen because most of the people that have found my music, I don't think, would be like, oh, I was a big K-Love listener (laughs) <laughs> and now let me check out Semler, you know? So I think that like understanding that there is space for you and I'm really excited to see how that shapes the Christian music industry, how drastic it will be. I don't know. Cause we're still at the point where they haven't really acknowledged me, mm-hmm. even though I was number one. So I think that we're going to have to, we're going to have to see, I think we need a, another hit or something. I'm maybe like a we'll see if I can go number one again or a crack billboard as possible so that mm. we'll see I think more things need to happen okay
1: okay now now musically what um for you musically what artists are uh, do you feel they're pioneering great music that communicates honesty and faith
3: honesty and faith um or are there any well <laughs> I know it's kind of, it's kind of tricky. I, you know, I'm a big fan of switchfoot and John Foreman. And I think that, um, his, I think, especially his like recent projects have been more honest about speaking about like wrestling with faith, um, in like a contemporary context. And I, I think that he can be more specific than a lot of like the platitudes that we hear in Christian music. Um, I also really admire Derek Webb and I know that like he's put out a number of projects that have just really like stripped down faith to like the bones in a way that I think is interesting. Mm. And, you know, I think also Jennifer Knapp like early records from, from Jennifer Knapp, even though she wasn't out at the time were really inspirational for me and I think that's because I was able to sense the same sort of wrestling that I was doing in her music, even though she wasn't out yet. So I, even though I don't think, I'm not sure if she has a new project, but her older projects track really well mm. with a lot of the same themes that I'm exploring.
1: No, no. what are you currently listening to?
3: Right now, I'm currently listening to Kenny Hoopla, which is not, um, he's not a Christian artist at all. He's like a pop punk artist. And I'm really hopeful that his song Estella will chart on Billboard because he's just the best. I think he's the future of pop punk. It's the most fun to like listen to. So I've been listening to him and um, very excited for the new Julian Baker record too. And um, I actually listened to the Kirk Franklin uh, Tiny Desk segment this morning and it's perfect. It's just like so, so good. So I've been listening to a lot of different stuff. Awesome. Now,
1: now last question, What's next on your horizon? More music? Next on the horizon. What's next?
3: Well, hopefully next time we speak, um, I will have a full-length LP under my belt. That's something I really want to do. I recorded this project at home on a USB mic, so I really would love to... Have Yeah, it's literally this mic right here and um, I want to get some better resources and there's certain songs that I I never included on the EP because I want to hear them fleshed out properly Mm -hmm. and I really would love to tour. That's like my, my dream of dreams is just getting some sort of a little tour going to sing these songs with people who resonate with them.
1: Well, now, if people are wanting to be able to follow you, digitally stalk you, whatever you want to call it, uh, how, what is the best way for them to track you down and keep up with all that you are doing?
3: Yeah, so you can listen to all my music um, under the, my artist name, which is Semler, S-E-M-L-E-R. I'm streaming everywhere, and I hope that you'll listen and have fun doing so. And then you can follow me on all social media, at Grace Baldridge, and um, that's my real name, my government name. And... um yeah, that's pretty much
1: it. Well, awesome, Grace. Thank you so much. I, I just, I appreciate the work you're doing. I appreciate just, it is not easy um, to step into a space where you are raw and honest and say, hey world, stare at this, consume <laughs> yeah, this. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it, it is it, but, 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 and, and I think that you're getting even a sense of this, of just how restorative honesty can be
3: mm.
1: for people that are in spaces that, that don't get to hear things like this, that, 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 that don't. That are not able to be affirmed in places, or just to be able to say, "I understand what you're struggling through," or, "Hey, uh, I can still love God even if the church has treated me poorly too." I mean, I feel like yeah. I feel like there's there's a whole spectrum of just of of people that that honesty like this resonates with, and and I appreciate the work you're doing, and I'd love to have you back on the show
3: sometime. Yeah, um, for sure. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you, and thank you so much for your time and letting me promote Preacher's Kid to your audience. Well, uh, well, best of luck,
1: and we'll talk soon, Grace. Thank you. So much thanks to Grace Balders for being on the show. And in light of what we were talking to, uh, talking about with Grace this, this last 40 minutes into our show, I wanted to bring up something that I feel is really on par that's also happening politically when we talk about LGBTQ folks that are in our midst and their rights as citizens in America. So let's go ahead and talk about this, because this happened mm, last week, where the House passed the Equality Act. Now, let's talk about what it is, uh, what it's supposed to do, and then we're going to get into why Christians are freaking out about this in the remainder of our show. The first article I want to hop into is called The House Passes the Equality Act. Here's what it would do. Um, Over on NPR by Danielle uh, Kurtzleben. And I'm going to just go ahead and hop in and quote what a lot of what she's saying here because it's very, very succinct. Um, She says at the beginning of the article this. She said, the House of Representatives voted on Thursday to pass the Equality Act, a bill that would ban discrimination against people based on sexual orientation, gender, and identity. And this would also substantially expand the areas to which those discrimination protections apply. So the House voted yes, mainly along party lines, with the support of three Republicans. Eh, it's good, but now as it moves to the Senate, we're not really sure where this is going to go, um, how it's going to get through, and what and why it matters. So hopping back into the article, they lay it out like this. Uh, The Equality Act would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act to explicitly prevent discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. This act would explicitly enshrine those non-discrimination protections into law for sexual orientation and gender identity rather than those protections being looped under the umbrella of simply just sex. The Civil Rights Act covered discrimination in certain areas like an like employment and housing. The Equality Act would expand that to cover federally funded programs as well as public accommodations, a broad category including retail stores and stadiums, for example. And importantly, the bill also explicitly says that it trumps the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, commonly known as the acronym RFRA. The law was passed in 93 that set a higher bar for the government to defend laws if people argued those laws are infringed upon religious freedom. So under the Equality Act, an entity couldn't use the RFRA to challenge the Act's provisions, nor could it use the RFRA as a defense to claim, to, to a claim made under the Act. This bill is also important because it establishes a national policy. Because right now, right now, 27 states do not have laws that protect LGBTQ citizens from discrimination. It's 2021, and there are still states in the United States that do not have protections for people against discrimination. Will it pass? Unknown. And actually, where we stand right now, without them nuking the filibuster, I think it's going to be hard to pass because they're going to need 60 60 people voting for it in the Senate. Now, instead of me just laying this out, I actually want to talk about what you're going to hear from Christians who oppose this. And I want, us, I want us just to spend a bit of time talking through why some of this is ludicrous and why Christians are really, 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 really just selfish. And none of this should really surprise you. Now, from the opposition, I'm going to take some of the points here from um, an article from the, called The Equality Act, What Christians Need to Know. And this is from the denisonforum.org by Dr. Jim Denison. And what he does is uh, he's laying out really what will happen here when the Religious Freedom Restoration Act kind of gets nullified in the way it's applied by the Equality Act. So here's what, here's, here's what he's worried about. That faith-based hospitals and insurers could be forced to provide gender transition therapies that violate their religious beliefs. Okay, That's something people are worried about. Doctors, I guess, and hospitals are worried about that, even though I will tell you this. Um, and this is an area that people don't advocate for him. But we're children uh, that are born hermaphrodites with two different sex parts. Historically speaking, when this happened, doctors and parents make the choice. The child was not consulted because the child was a baby. So the parents and or doctors would choose the gender that they thought the child was, perform the surgery, and move forward like nothing else happened. This is true. My point is that these doctors that feel like they cannot help a person that wants to transition to a different gender that they cannot help them because morally their religion will not let them. They've actually done this. They've done this in a different form before, so save that one. Save that one completely. I believe doctors should do the jobs of being a doctor without bias because, you know, you train to be a doctor. And we're talking about doctors doing doctorly things. So yeah, moving on. The next one, children could seek to change their gender without parental knowledge or consent. Now, should you be able to have conversations with your children about their gender as they're growing up to figure out where they are and where they're identifying and how they feel about things yes 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 this should be part of a normal healthy parenting relationship but you know what there's not healthy parenting relationships out there i've worked with i've worked with lgbtq kids that have gotten kicked out of their houses that have been disowned by their parents for being different and having the ability to self-advocate for medical care is huge it's absolutely huge now let's talk about foster care faith-based adoption and foster care agencies could be forced to place children with same-sex couples or lose their license oh clutch the pearls we have a problem with kids in our foster care system in america and you have christians that are like "Mm, i don't want to adopt them but i don't want to see gay people adopting them Mm -mm. i would rather them end up in the foster care system (laughs) i just do because that makes jesus happy Yes, that's another weird argument that people use when there's kids that do not have families. And if Christians really cared that much, if they really cared that much, they'd be out adopting every kid possible. But they don't because they're selfish, and they just like to have things the way they want them to. So, yeah, wow, kids going to families, that's such a horrible thing that will happen. The big one that I keep hearing up more and more is is about same-sex specific sports. Now, everyone's getting mad about this. Not everyone. The conservatives get mad about this. Oh no, sports! What do we do if we have to rethink how we do sports? Oh no, don't make me do that. Don't make me do that. I can't. It's our religion also in America. Yes. So what? We would have to rethink a little bit how we handle sports? Or we would be willing to deal with change and nuance and differences? Yeah. Yes. I think we, I think it is 2021, and I think we can have adult conversations. I think sports can be talked through I think sports can be handled I think we can figure this out but no sports that's the biggest problem here with this act because we don't like sports and we're afraid of people going into other bathrooms need I remind you my personal philosophy when it comes to bathrooms they're all dirty and disgusting and I spend as little time in them as possible I mean, geez, let people use bathrooms where they feel comfortable using the bathrooms. That's a lot of, there's just a lot of stupidity surrounding this. And the kicker, the kicker, I like how he lays this one out. Churches would have to rent their facilities to the public. Ah! And we can't control which public comes into here. Ah! Oh, preference, preference, preference. Wine, 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 wine. Because heavens to Betsy, if we were to rent out our building that's only used twice a week to the public, maybe even make money off it, but it wouldn't be that exclusive country club, that city on a hill, if you will. (laughs) Bright and shiny and keeping everyone we don't love out. Ah, Christianity, you always get me. Mm. And the other one on the list that I found elsewhere from an article over... (laughs) On Christianity Today by Ed Stetzer, so you know what you're gonna get here. Ed's biggest issue, what's really coming down to? We're worried about stripping churches of their tax exempt status, <laughs> so that that the idea that the government, if churches are out being a holes and want to not pay taxes, that if they want to continue to not pay taxes and be a holes, that they're gonna have to be nice to other people. Oh no what we may lose our tax exempt status but what did it say in the bible about that oh it didn't then why are we caring so much about oh because of capitalism oh and our churches don't really look like churches anymore they're really just kind of i don't know like institutions of business I don't know. <laughs> how do we do this? I'll tell you exactly how did we, we d- handle this and do this. And I'll tell you why in two simple ways. One, one. the church is called to love. Full stop, period, end of story. I should just stop there. The church is called to love. The church should be a place that does volunteer. Hey, you want to rent our facility? Great. We want more people being involved in this, but we don't want it. We want Control and we don't want to pay our taxes. So the equality act would mean that Christians can't get away with being a holes and not paying taxes from their churches anymore. Huh? Huh? What? Uh, uh, oh no, the world is over. But that's again not how church works. Jesus said love our neighbors, love our enemies. Hell, Christianity today and Denison group or whatever the hell you are at You could even declare that the other side are your enemies. And you may not even like them, but you're called to love them. Why are you called to love them? Oh, because we're all made in God's image? That's biblical. It's almost like the Bible saying that everyone is equal. (gasps) Don't tell Christians that. Churches are worried because they're acting like businesses. And the gospel of Jesus Christ does not have room... (laughs) to be run like a business. It's for the sick. It's for the hurting. It's for the broken. It's for the poor. It's those that feel outcast, that don't feel like they have a seat at the table. Oh, wait, the folks that want equality, the gospel's for them. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, because that's the whole point, Christianity, that you're missing in this. My preference, my preference, my preference said nowhere in the gospels. You don't have that preference. You're called to turn the other cheek. You're called to love. And that was it. But thanks, Jesus. Thanks for making it simple. Because really, it is simple. It is simple. And it's sad that we've made it so mucked up and complicated. (sighs) Well, that's all I've got this hour. And before I send you off, just a reminder to share the show, subscribe, and give Snarky Faith a review over on Apple Podcasts. Helps to get the word out to new listeners. And if you want to reach out to me directly, hit me up at questions at snarkyfaith.com. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you to Semler for being on the show too. Um, And I appreciate all of you that are part of this week after week that we come here. And as I release you out into the wild, wide world, I send you out with the holiest amount of grace and snark and peace. Go recapture a faith That loves broadly, audaciously, that says everyone's got a seat at the table. Because equality is the heart of God's kingdom. This is for the good boys and girls that hang around after the show. I promised it way earlier there. So, if you want something to wrap your brain around, just listen. Just listen to Mark Taylor. Because Mark Taylor is worried about vaccines because even if you don't get vaccinated, you getting vaccinated. And that's only where this begins. So enjoy this sheer lunacy. I'll catch you guys later.
0: Every person's going to be vaccinated, whether they like it or not. That's even in the mosquitoes. They're getting into mosquitoes. We talked, we covered that about what six months ago, whatever it was, that they're putting this stuff in the mosquitoes. Look this is a precursor i this is my humble opinion okay i'm not saying this is from god this is from mark this is my humble opinion i believe this is a part of the mark of the beast because it's transhumanism at the least because what they're trying to do is turn people into a dang robot they want you to think see hear and perceive the way they want you to think hear, and perceive because they can literally through frequencies which we all know through these stupid things right here or through technology that they can control people, they can control your thought process. Don't think for one second that that nanotechnology is not in the vaccines because it is, and they can control you. And once they have that, that's it. once you take the vaccine, Chris, there's no going back.